Like I think if someone were to say to me um, early on when I'm in this incredible pain, like, well, life's not fair. Mm-hmm. Everyone has pain. Right. Like I, I think that I might just want to stay there a little bit longer, you right. know, uh, because I think it could feel pretty invalidating. And, and I think that's one beautiful thing that I really appreciate about Faithful and True is that it is, it's a both and. We right. know that we absolutely are going to meet the, the women, the men we deal with in, in the pain and validate that, come alongside it, empathize with that, um, and not minimize it mm-hmm. or just try to brush it off or, you know, pick yourself up and keep going, um, but to also call them forward in it. Welcome to the Faithful and True Podcast. We're happy to be back with you today with our host, Dr. Greg Miller. And once again, we have Elizabeth Hardesty from the Faithful and True team here. And uh, again, continuing this series that we began a number of weeks, months ago, about questions. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, for those of you that are just joining us, these are questions that we're asking our team to bring to us. And it can be something that they hear often in their stories, questions that clients ask, questions from their own journey, or just questions that are interesting. So, um, Elizabeth, what's the question for today? The question for today is going to be, how can I be victimized but not remain a victim? Yeah, that is a great question. Because what is true is most of us at some point in our story are going to experience a point of being victimized. And kind of the way I say it is victimization is what happens to me and I don't have to let it define me. And when I let it define me, then I become the victim. And so allowing people to validate how they've been hurt, how they have been victimized. And we just did a podcast on this idea of pain. So how can I acknowledge that the pain is there without letting my life be defined by the pain? So using your own experience working with women, like what does it show up or what are the indicators for you that someone might be transitioning to be defined by what happened to them? Mm. Um, you know, one thing I like to think about is that question of wh- like, why? Like, mm-hmm. why? Why me? You know, why? Why did this happen to me? Um, and I think it's a I think it's a fair question. I think mm-hmm. it's understandable that we want to understand why. Um, but I think if we're only just staying in that place of um, kind of stewing in that mm-hmm. versus what? what am I going to do with this? Mm -hmm. You know, what are my choices? What is my response going to look like to this? So that we're not just staying in this place of why me. Right. One of the things I also think can be helpful is we do our best not to live in the place of it. This is unfair. And the reason is um, I had a, a teacher in high school and every day she basically in some form said life is not fair. And Instead of seeing that as offensive, I actually thought that is true. That is validating my reality that life is not fair. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've seen, um, I was a part of a therapy group for years. And for those people who had a core belief that life was supposed to be fair, they really struggled many times moving forward because it's just not. Mm -hmm. And there were things that would happen in their lives. There would be things that would come their way that they had no control over, that they absolutely did not deserve. And so if I begin with this belief that life is supposed to be fair to me, 
then I'm going to be dissatisfied with the life that I'm having. And so it's not to be kind of cynical or pessimistic, life's not fair, but can it just be a declaration of the truth? And kind of like the scripture says, the the rain falls on the fields of the good and the wicked. It's just what is true. Mm -hmm. So good things will come our way, painful and difficult things will come our way, and there's not a lot of reason in how that happens. Mm, Right. I think one thing that can help uh, for any of us to move us out of that place if we are in it is to first, though, be heard in the pain, mm-hmm. right? And and to have that be acknowledged. Right. Like, I think if someone were to say to me um, early on when I'm in this incredible pain, like, well, life's not fair. Mm-hmm. Everyone has pain. Right. Like, I... I think that I might just want to stay there a little bit longer, you right. know, uh, because I think it could feel pretty invalidating. And and I think that's one beautiful thing that I really appreciate about Faithful and True is that it is, it's a both and, you right. know, that we absolutely are going to meet the the women, the men we deal with in, in the pain and validate that, come alongside it, empathize with that um, and not minimize it mm-hmm. or just try to brush it off or, you know, pick yourself up and keep going. Um, but to also call them forward in it, right. right? And we often talk about this idea of we want to take these experiences seriously. And what I mean by that is we don't want to minimize them. And there can be a tendency by some to want to minimize it because if I minimize the experience, then maybe I can minimize the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also don't want to swing to the other extreme where we catastrophize it. I mean, the way I would identify a, a catastrophization is when and there's no hope. So I'm catastrophizing if there's no hope, and I'm minimizing if there's no acknowledgement. And so what we want to be is in that place of taking it seriously and right-sizing it. And to be honest, that's one of the hardest things to do, is to right-size our experiences, mm-hmm. especially those of the past that maybe have intensified over time, or maybe have diminished over time, but living in the truth of what they were and how that we experience them today. Mm. I love that, Greg, of talking about on the one on the one side minimization the other side kind of that catastrophizing i think that's really powerful and talking mm-hmm. about what is that what does that middle place look like of how do i kind of take my take my power back take my um, response back of how am i going to re- like be realistic in the pain of this validate my mm-hmm. pain in this and how am i going to respond to to what's happened right mm-hmm. you know there's this idea of simply acknowledging the truth of this circumstance Um, For a season, I worked as a chaplain um, in a major hospital, and part of the role of the chaplain is to go wherever there is a tragedy. Um, Typically, if the chaplain shows up, it's not because something good is happening. And one of the things that my supervisor said early on is never promise anything that you cannot bring about. Mm -hmm. And so watch the words that you use, watch the language. And so it's our tendency to want to rush in and say, it's going to be okay. Well, the reality is I cannot promise that it's going to be okay. And I may be using a different definition of okay that somebody else is. And so my desire to reassure is actually dismissing the reality of the circumstances. And we see this a lot of time when there has been loss and death, when there's been betrayal. We do want to offer words of encouragement. We do want to offer words of comfort. But if we're not careful, those words are not seen as comfort. Mm -hmm. They're simply seen as dismissive or minimizing. Right, right. You know, one of our mantras here that we say over and over and over again to the women is, 
uh, this mantra of you have choices, mm-hmm. right? And I think just remembering that for any of us at any time that we have choices really moves us out of that place too of feeling victimized, mm-hmm. right? That I'm, I'm stuck. This has been, I'm powerless to this. This has been done to me. Um, but when we start to realize like I, I have choices, I have choices in how I'm going to respond. I have choices in how, you know, my next right step. Right. It really propels us into this place of, um, of hope. Right. And it's that idea that wise adults always have choices. Mm-hmm. They may not like their choices right. and they may wish they had more choices. Mm-hmm. And there are always choices. And for those women who have been betrayed, they did not have the choice of what happened to them. And that's one of the things that we want to validate for a wife or for a woman that is going through this is you did not choose this. I love the language of the women's workshop. Um, You didn't cause it. You can't cure it. You can't control Mm -hmm. it. And one of the most difficult things to do is to admit our powerlessness in the face of victimization that we we want to manufacture some sort of sense of power, believing that that's going to bring us hope. But the reality is one of the best things that we can do for ourselves is simply acknowledge I am powerless or I was powerless over this situation. Mm-hmm. I think one of the, the things to acknowledge is as children, we go through horrific experiences many times. And one of the ways we're able to survive them is by minimizing them. You know, that we're able to tell ourselves it's not that bad. Because if we keep telling ourselves it's not that bad, then maybe it's survivable. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we have adults telling us, oh, it's not that bad. You don't have it that bad. Right. And so as wise adults, then we're able to find enough of our courage and our strength to look at it from the perspective of truth. Mm-hmm. What was going on? And I may not have had any choice about um, what happened to me. And I can choose to look at it honestly and truthfully. Yes. And exercise that agency, right? Mm-hmm. That as children, we don't have that agency to make some of those choices, even if they're hard choices. But as adults, as wise adults, um, even if they're hard choices, we still have the agency to exercise those, mm-hmm. to move forward in that. Right. Yeah. Th- this idea of um, not being defined by my circumstances, you know, that to me is one of the distinguishing places of having been victimized or being a victim, in many ways, I become a victim when I let this circumstance become who I am. I become defined right. by it. And when once I let myself be defined by it and it becomes the filter through which I see everything, then I position myself as being a victim. Mm-hmm. And so there's this acknowledgement of it. There's this um, embracing it. There's a moving towards it. It's the living in truth of it and not being defined by it. Right. Right. What, what might be some of the indicators that you might see in someone that is starting to shift and allowing themselves to be um, defined by it or kind of finding themselves in that victim place? Mm. Um, I mean, I think kind of what you were just saying, Greg, that I think it, it can feel like this is forever going to mark me, mm-hmm. right? This is, this is forever um, going to hang around my neck. Um, there's not going to be life outside of this. My life is over now. Uh, my marriage is marked by this. I mean, there can just be kind of these ways of, of generalizing it's always going to be this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just beginning to, and I, I love to come alongside a woman in that place and just uh, meet her where she is mm-hmm. in that because it's understandable. I think all of us go through that time where we feel like, is there anything outside of right. this? But to also hold that hope that there absolutely is you know, there, there is a way through this. There is another side of this. Um, will this always be part of your story? Yes. Mm-hmm. Will this mark you? Will this become your identity? 
No. Absolutely. And mm -hmm. I just want to say it again because I think it's so, poor, uh, so important. It, it is about timing. Mm -hmm. That when someone has just been um, destroyed, you know, their life literally has been destroyed by a circumstance or this information, that's not the time to kind of reassure things are going to get better. It really is that moment where we sit with them on the heap of ashes and the best thing that we can do is just right. be with them in the destruction. Um, and what's also true is the destruction can come in waves. You know, for those who listen to the podcast, you probably heard me say this before, but uh, my life exploded in August of 2005. And then um, Hurricane Katrina came just later mm -hmm. that month. And that became just this metaphor, this symbol of what I was going through in the chaos that it, I had created. I was the hurricane. But in this particular case, what happened was there were stages of destruction. You know, there was first the, the wind that came through and destroyed. Then there was the storm surge that came through and destroyed. Then there was the flooding from the breaking of the levees that destroyed. And what's true is for many people, there are waves of destruction. And it just takes time for those waves to begin to subside. And so we can't fully assess the situation early on. And so therefore, it makes perfect sense for a season, there is kind of a pause of anything moving forward it really is just being in the destruction and acknowledging that and then at some point mm. recognizing okay this is what has happened how do I want to respond right but you can you're right you cannot rush that mm -hmm. there is something about just sitting in the dark right just sitting in the chaos of it sitting in the pain and the confusion of it and not being able to see how would this ever look? How right. would I ever move forward in this? And and that is okay, yeah. right? We don't have to future trip. We don't have to have it all figured out. Right. People can hold hope for you in that, and mm -hmm. it is okay. That is an important part of it. Right. And yeah. sometimes we verbalize hope. You know, I have hope for you. Um, sometimes we just live hope. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the beauty of community is and when you're in a group of people and there are women or men who have gone through this destruction and they are years down the road and they are in healthy, functioning relationships, all circumstances can be different. And yet there can be this message of hope of whatever you've gone through, there is a way forward. Mm -hmm. And so I don't have to say anything. I don't have to reassure you. Maybe just my being with you is enough to remind you that there might be something on the other side of this right. and it's the presence of hope that's right right and just taking the risk of continuing to lean in right to to wherever you are to whatever this pain is right um and even if you can't see it you can't feel the hope um you know just doing your part of showing up to your story right mm -hmm. Own, owning your story talking to people about your story and Knowing that's 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 your work. That's what right. you need to do to keep moving through this. One one thing I would say is down the road, if someone is aware that there's a lot of bitterness, mm -hmm. that may be an indication that they're allowing themselves to be defined by the circumstances. Mm -hmm. um, the way I understand bitterness is bitterness is the combination of unprocessed grief and unprocessed anger. Mm -hmm. There's something I'm angry about, and there's something that I've lost that I need to grieve. But in my resistance to the anger and in my resistance to the grief, they've kind of blurred together. And so recognizing there's loss in this. There are things that are gone that will not come back. And that's where the grief comes in. And there's things to be angry about. There is righteous anger. And if I'm avoiding the anger, then it really does become this to toxic 
a part of me that I have to learn how to process. And so if if down the road there are parts of me that I don't enjoy, mm-hmm. you know, there, there are reactions that I don't want to have, that may be a good indication that I may need some support to kind of move to see what does it look like to acknowledge, to live in the truth of what has mm-hmm. happened and not be defined right. by it. And what are my choices, right? Mm-hmm. Like what, what are some choices I can make um, as a wise woman that helped me or a wise man that, mm-hmm. that uh, propel me out of this place of victim, um, but also deal with some of the emotions that are going on under the surface. Right. Yeah. You know, one of the dynamics that we see is, so in our case, because of the population that we work with, we work with men who um, have struggled with sexual addiction. They have betrayed, in most cases, spouse. Some of the guys that we work with are single. But for those who are married, there is a betrayal part. And what can happen is, in time, all of their pain, all of their circumstances can be dismissed or minimized because, rightly so, initially the spouse's um, pain that they are causing or have caused kind of um, fills all of the space. Mm -hmm. One of the ways that we can know that we are moving forward is we actually have space for somebody else's pain that it doesn't have to always be about my pain and the pain I'm experiencing. I can actually begin to see my spouse through a different lens. Mm-hmm. I remember one of the most, I don't even have the words, unique, confusing, redemptive experiences I, I had with Beth was at one point I was able to comfort her for the pain that I had caused. And that was incredibly healing and that was a place of shift for us. And it was a significant moment. I remember exactly where I was and where we were in that moment because something was now letting us say there is possible life beyond what I had done. Mm-hmm. So that was healing for both you oh, and Beth. I don't like to speak for Beth, and I think that she I've would say... I've heard her say, talk about this, yeah. <laughs> yes. I think she would agree yeah. with that. And for those of us who are listening, we do not want to speak yeah. for our spouse. <laughs> Just a side note. That's a different podcast. Yeah. But, um, but when we, especially in our coupleship, when we begin to have those mm-hmm. moments of shifts, that's when we begin to realize that, yes, this is real. This was painful. This was destructive. And we don't have to be defined by this mm-hmm. moving forward. Absolutely. I mean, that really that says a lot, doesn't it? About mm-hmm. even for you to be able to be with her in that and not go to a place of just have, like basking in shame mm-hmm. for yourself, right? That being able to stay in your wise man, stay in the truth of who you were and be there for Beth. Right. Yeah. And I want to note, it was only after having support of mm-hmm. us going to therapy, us getting the help that we need, like you said, I had more agency. I had more of my wise adult present so that I could be comforting, mm. you know. Um, and what's true is that experience came after experiences where Beth was able to express her anger. Um, and it wasn't a one and done kind of experience, <laughs> you know. It was an ongoing experience. But as I was continuing to do my work, I had the capacity to show up as a wise adult and be present with Beth in her pain, Mm -hmm. and to the best of my ability, own what it was that I had done. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that may be true is sometimes we get stuck in a circumstance because our our perception, and it may be valid, is the person who has caused the pain hasn't been able to acknowledge it 
and validate it and own it. And so what may be true is I hold on to the experience because I don't have confidence that my spouse has or will. Mm -hmm. And so one of the best gifts that we can give our spouse for those of us who struggle with the addiction and have betrayed is to really own what we've done. And maybe once our spouse has confidence that we're owning it, that may give her the possibility or the permission to release it. Because somebody needs to take responsibility for it. Somebody needs to own it. Somebody needs to acknowledge what has happened. And when the, the person with the addiction is able to do that, then there may be more freedom for the spouse to be able to release That's it. That's right. And it is. It's incredibly healing, I think, for the, for the betrayed spouse to, to see that. Mm-hmm. Not to see their husband in shame. Not to see them um, just poured out on the floor. But to really see them that they are getting more rooted in their wise man. And they are able to take ownership um, for the pain that has been right. caused. And I, I also want to say, you know, for the women who are in a place where maybe their husbands aren't, they're not ready, they're not able to, to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, there still is a place for the women to be mm-hmm. heard, right? I, I think it's important too that, that they don't have to just bottle it up or hold on to it, but that that's where I come in, that's where our groups mm-hmm. come in, other therapists here, that we can come in and walk alongside um, and acknowledge that pain, even if their husbands are not right. able to quite. Yeah, yet. and I think that's a, a great point, is that, again, is the power of community, mm-hmm. is that these wise men and wise women that are in our community can hear us when maybe our spouse can't, can validate when maybe our spouse can't. And it's not a substitute for, but it is an attempt to carry the weight with someone so that they don't have to carry it all by their, by themselves. Mm-hmm hopefully waiting for that time when their spouse will be able to meet them where they are. Um, You mentioned shame, and I think that this is huge, especially in the early days of recovery. I know that I was consumed with shame. I I walked over, I I walked hunched over. We refer to that as hunched over Greg. You know, it's one of the images in my egg. Um, And it was just, I was consumed by shame. And it didn't serve our relationship. It didn't serve Beth because it was based upon a lie. And where there's shame, there's not ownership. In the same way, where there's blame, there's not ownership. And so if I'm blaming my spouse, I'm not owning it. And if I'm I'm in my shame, I'm not owning it. But when a wise man can show up and own what they've done, and I've said this recently in a podcast, ownership is when we not just acknowledge it, but we also create a plan to change and we implement that, that plan. That's what ownership is. And so when a spouse begins to experience the husband is owning the addiction and the pain and the chaos, that is when maybe the spouse can begin to move forward and and not be defined by what had happened. Right. And I'll just come around maybe full circle to the the last podcast, you know, in terms of talking about, uh, you know, our pain leaking in or leaking out, I think... Not that, not that us as wives are responsible for if our husbands are in shame or not, but mm-hmm. I think, you know, for us to do our work in terms of are, are we able to, to voice, to, um, to be honest about our pain um, without letting that leak out in terms of raging at our husbands, mm-hmm. abusing our husbands, you know, where it really is triggering uh, that shame. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how can we be, as Debbie likes to say, how can we be in pain without being a pain? Like, mm-hmm. how can we be honest, pay attention to it, not bury it inside, but also just um, be safe in terms of how we're expressing mm-hmm. that to our husbands as well. And what what's true is none of us are going to do this perfectly. No. 
So I don't always show up perfectly in the relationship. That's, I do. <laughs> I've that's heard why, Chris say that. That's yes. why she's on the podcast that's today. Right. We have the yin and the yang yeah. of this. Um, and that's where we, we get to own that and do it over. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I leaked my pain on right. you or um, I, I know I didn't fully own that. Whatever the, the ownership is, that we're able to do that and, and bring that ownership back into the relationship when we don't do it well. Yes. You know, one, one of the things as we conclude, I just want to say is in most of our podcasts, the topics that we go after are incredibly complex. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of those. And we do talk about it. We try to explain it, but we also want to acknowledge the complexity of this issue of mm-hmm. the difference between being victimized and being defined by what has happened to us. And we know that everybody's situation is different. Mm-hmm. We know that um, the way spouses show up and husbands show up, that can, that can be very different. And so we could spend several podcasts unpacking this issue and most issues that we deal with. Mm-hmm. We just hope that beginning this conversation will provide a safe space for people to begin to look at themselves and their experiences differently. And maybe it will prompt them to be open to something Mm -hmm. um, that may move them forward on their own journey. Thanks, Greg. Really appreciate that. Yeah. And we appreciate you, Elizabeth. Thank you very much for joining us again uh, on the Faithful and True podcast today. As Greg said, I think uh, in a perfect world, this will start great and beneficial conversations mm-hmm. between uh, couples. So we hope that you have enjoyed today's show. Uh, we'd like to invite uh, any of the men that are out there that may be struggling as they hear these messages and go, you know, I, it's time for me to, to get honest with myself and uh, the, you know, what I've been doing or not doing to be honest and, and to be uh Uh, the best I can be, be the man that God intends me to be. We invite you to take a look at faithfulandtrue.com and visit our Men's Journey workshop page where uh, you'll see a 15-minute video with Greg and Elizabeth's husband, Chris, where they answer the most frequently asked questions that men like yourself may have about the workshop. We offer it every month, and we hope that uh, when you see that, if you go, that sounds like uh, what I need. Uh, Take a look at the details. Uh, You can select the date because we do it every month. And we'd love to have you register and uh, and come see us here at Faithful and True. Uh, We also invite the spouses to take a look at the Women's Journey Workshop and for couples to look at the Couples Journey Workshop. Until then, we'd like to thank you. We hope that this coming week for you is going to be a week that's just filled with many blessings and with great vision.